please repeat. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. O Mangalam Guru Devaya Devi Matriksha Mangalam Mangalam Bhakta Brindevyo Sarva Lokaya Mangalam Om Stapakaya Chudarmasya Sarvadarma Sarupini Avatara Varishtai Rama Krishnaya Mangalam Om Sara Shiva Samarambam Shankaracharya Majamam Ashmarachara Prayantam Bande Gurum Param Param Bande Gurum Param Param <coughs> So we're continuing our reading from Srimad Bhagavatam in the 8th skanda, in chapter 18. Uh, where were we? Last week we, we, um, we didn't uh, read, so we'll pick up where we left off two weeks ago. Because you weren't here, so we skipped. <laughs> you and everybody else. <laughs> I, could, I, I sat down to give, give the talk, and one person was here. <laughs> like going, and I was very tired, so I said, this is perfect. <laughs> After a long day of construction, we... <laughs> It was very God-gifted, so we figured next week we'll continue. <coughs> so, where did we leave off two weeks ago? We're at the... Uh, Payovrat of Aditi. Aditi. So, uh, uh, Indra and the Devas have uh, ran from heaven hiding because Bali and demons have taken over. On the advice of their guru, they hid from, uh, they didn't fight, knowing that they wouldn't be able to win this time, and they went into hiding. And then Aditi was not pleased seeing her children, the gods, uh, uh, in exile, herself also exiled. And so when Kashapa, the father of the devas and of the demons, of the daitas and, and, and devas, uh, uh, came back, he inquired, what's wrong? Why do you look so upset? So she and said what happened. So he said, okay, you pray to Vishnu. There's a vrat called payovrata, milk fast. Right? So we read one whole description of that fast. And basically, it's taking only milk for 12 days and uh, chanting this uh, 12-lettered mantra. We started Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, certain pujas and feedings like that, uh, from Pratipa to uh, Dwarasi. So um, at the end of which, the Lord appeared. So that we read last week. Uh, Lord Vishnu appeared in a very ecstatic vision and describing all her ecstatic symptoms, uh, sattika bhavas. That she, uh, uh, her hair stood on end, her tear, her body trembled, tears flowed like this, describing this. And her beautiful prayers, like we read. So uh, uh, then Vishnu says, okay, I am pleased with you. I'm going to be born. You, you, what you desire, I have, because you've done this vrat, Worship of me like this never is fruitless. And you desire, your purpose of your vrat and your worship was that the devas, that the asuras all get defeated in battle. Right? But I'm thinking it's actually not possible. At present, it's their time. Right? Bali, actually, by his own good karma, he has attained, he was able to uh, win heaven. He has done by pleasing his gurus. Um, uh, uh, Shukra and 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 and, and the uh, Brigu uh, line, by pleasing them, he he've gotten so much blessing by their own auspicious karmas, by his own auspicious karmas, he has earned his position, 
right? And so fighting them, it's that karma is not there for you to win, right now. The destiny is not on your side. Luck is not on your side. Shri Lakshmi is not on your side. So, uh, but still, you desire that that he that Bali be defeated and Indra and the devas be put back in heaven again. So I still have to figure out a way to uh, satisfy your desire because your worship has to be can't be in vain, right? But if you fight them, they won't you won't win, right? So I should be born as your son, right? And in order to protect your sons, right? So I should come up with a way. And she was very and then she says, "Don't tell anybody. You go to Kashapa, right? And uh, I'll be born. I'll enter his mind through meditation and enter your body." And then I shall, in so, so many proper time, then I'll be born as your son. And as your son, I shall make arrangements for, the, for Indra and the Devas to get their position back. That's kind of where we left off, right? Uh, many sub-points within that discussion. <coughs> so, uh, yes. So, some section I'm going to read the translation from uh, Samhita Paschananda, published by Ramakrishna Mission in, in uh, Madras, very famous translation of Bhashram Bhagavatam, and a certain section where um, um, Vamana is going to speak some, uns- some, ins- some instruction to Bali. That I translated, I think that's the, the time I had to translate the section. I chose that section to my own, my own translation. We'll go a little deeper. The rest will read it's, it's some. Uh, Lila, so I think it's okay to read the existing translation. Shuka said, The Lord, whose deeds and prowess were thus extolled by Brahma, again manifested himself through Aditi with a form characterized by lotus eyes, yellow wearing cloth, and four arms holding conch, mace, lotus, and disc. He was a pure blue complexion. His hallowed lotus-like face shone in the brilliance of the fish-marked earrings he wore. The Srivatsya mark on his chest, bracelets, armlets, brilliant diadems, girdle, and anklets were, were his other decorations. Beautified by the floral wreath, um, beautified by the floral wreath, thronged by buzzing honeybees, and the Kastuba Kastuba gem on his neck. Sri Hari scattered away all darkness from the Prajapati's ashram by his brilliance. Then the quarters and the oceans became serene. All men rejoiced while all the seasons turned simultaneously favorable. In heaven and on earth, in the intermediate regions, on mountaintops, among animals and among holy men, there was jubilation everywhere. The Lord was born at the auspicious time called Abhijit, on the holy day called Shravana Dwadasi, during which the moon dwelt in the constellation called Shravana. Interesting, his, this is important, his Vamana Jayanti, his Dwadasi, special 12 is the number for Vamana, very much. But described as he's being born, everything becomes auspicious. Nate, Nate, the seasons become nice, the animals seem to be nice. And we can also see when, when the mind is auspicious, everything becomes auspicious. Whether there was any cor- corresponding change in nature, we don't know, right? But uh, one Swami said, when a little child is upset and you give it a candy, it cries, right? And if, you give in a ca- if a child is happy and you slap it, it laughs, right? So the way the world looks is only from the mind, you know? So, so uh, as the Lord is being born in the, first in the mind, 
first in the mind of Kashapa and Aditi, and, Aditi, and then in the, physical, making his appearance, everything becomes so auspicious. Everything becomes uh, beautiful and positive. The boom of conch, pavana, mrit, the boom of conches, uh, panava, mridanga, and drums of various kinds filled the air, mingling with the swelling harmony of turiya and a variety of musical instruments. The Apsara women's danced with joy while the Gandharvas sang. Beings of all species, devas, munis, prittis, agnis, siddhas, vijadharas, kimpurushas, kinaras, charanas, yakshas, rakshashas, garuda, and other birds and serpents all showered flowers over the ashram of Aditi. Aditi was wonderstruck and filled with joy to see the supreme person born of her womb. The Prajapatis too, too stood filled with joy and wonder to see him embodied as his own son. Sorry, the Prajapati meaning Pashapa, the father. Too was filled with joy and wonder to see him embodied as his own son through his mysterious power of Maya. Hari. So who is, who is it that's born? Hari, who is pure consciousness, not perceptible to the senses. God is pure consciousness beyond name, beyond form, or, be, or in, can't say beyond name and form because all name and form, he is everything, including name and form, right? But the mind, the limited mind that we, that we, the instruments of the senses and the mind by which we perceive the world name and form cannot comprehend the infinite, right? That infinite conscious can't be comprehended. Yet he appears, he shows himself in this beautiful form as Vishnu. So that's a, that's actually a continuous uh, theme of the Bhagavad, is that the infinite which is beyond conception, also appears, make, becomes accessible throughout, through, out of the devotee's desire and the devotee's love becomes um, uh, perceptible. The imperceptible becomes perceptible, an object of perception. Hari, who is pure consciousness, not perceptible to the senses, has assumed the divine form characterized by brilliance, special decoration, weapons, etc., in order that his divine identity might be recognized by his parents and others. Having accomplished this, all of a sudden, before the very eyes of his parents, he now transformed the divine form into that of a short-statured brahmacharin, vamana, just as a stage actor changes his impersonations. So he first appeared as Vishnu, holding consciousness, and then, and then in front of everybody, he became this little... Uh, actually, I don't have the... I have the Sanskrit, but not the transliteration, not for me to read. He became a dwarf. Right, uh, so a little tiny Brahmin dwarf. Right, uh, uh, it's interesting that the that that uh, uh, the inconceivable uh, Godhead first appears in, in, as the conceivable Vishnu, and then appears as a very odd character of a little uh, Brahmin dwarf, Ramacharin. Seeing the the Lord in the form of Vamana, the sages were delighted. And with Kashapa Prajapati as their leader, they had his postnatal ceremonies conducted. So everything he he didn't wasn't born as an infant. He immediately became a young boy, right? And he took this form, right? So, so everything that would usually all these ceremonies that are going to be mentioned in the next paragraph would take many years to do, right? But these were done immediately. There's no time to waste. <laughs> Bali is still controlling heaven, and Indra's the other gods are hiding, right? right. So first they did the, the, the appropriate ceremonies at the birth of a child. After, then, after his upanaya was performed, 
So his sacred, immediately sacred thread is giving. So at the time of sacred thread, somebody has to whisper the mantra, Gayatri mantra. So the Gayatri is the mantra for the sun. Tat Savitur, this, uh, the, the divine deity of the sun, Savit. So Savita, right, initiated the mantra into his ear. So, uh, so the mantra itself was given by the sun. Right? The Gayatri mantra. Rabrahaspati, the guru of the gods, invested him with the sacred thread. And Kashapa, his father, was the girdle of grass. These are all symptoms of a, a time of Brahmachari Diksha. The earth deity, Mother Earth, gave the skin of a black deer. These are all parts of the ceremony. Soma, Soma is moon, right? The Lord of the moon. The ma- and, but here it says, I have master of forests. Soma is a deity of the forest, right? Uh, Soma, the master of forests, he gave him the staff. This is when a little brahmachari, when, when, uh, one gets a sacred thread, then one has to, uh, 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 at, least for a f- at least for a few steps, one has to dress and behave like a sannyasi. Actually, like said that the seeds of sannyas are given at the time of that first initiation of the sacred thread. So it's samskara is there. So you get a, you get a stick, a danda, you get a kamandalu, you get all these different things. So the stick comes from the, fo- the tree, grows from trees and from the forest and the moon. So the moon gave her, gave him, the staff. Uh, Mother Aditi. His mother gave him his kopen, his loincloth. That's also tradition. At the time of initiation, the mother ties the uh, kopen on the boy, saying, from this day on, you, you see all women besides your future wife as mother. This is the way you live, live in this world this way. Right. Uh, and the sky deity gave him his umbrella. You see pictures of, of, uh, of Vamana always was holding an umbrella. Brahma gave him his kamandalu. Brahma himself carries the kamandalu, right, and gave him uh, and gave him the water vessel, the saptarishis, the seven sages, kusha grass that's used to sprinkle water, and goddess Saraswati, O great king, a string of beads for Japa, gave him his mala, mother goddess Saraswati. To him, the, whose upanaya, whose sacred thread. Up- upanaya was thus completed. Kubera, Kubera, Kubera is. The god of god of wealth, right? He gave him his begging bowl. These are all very interesting, you know, that's where real wealth comes from. And this is actually very significant, you'll realize in, in, as his story unfolds, what he's begging, what is real wealth. Right? Uh, uh, Kubera gave him his begging bowl. The supreme goddess and mother of the universe, Sati, Uma, Gave him Biksha, his first alm. This is called Biksha Matra, the first woman you go, Bika, Babati Biksham Dehi. Oh, woman, good woman, give me some Biksha, give me some alms. So his first alms, his Biksha Matra is Parvati herself, Uma Sati. That Brahmacharan, who was honored in this way by all, outshone by his Brahmic brilliance, even the assembly of Brahmarishis, divine sages. He heaped the fuel, lit the fire according to rites, placed twigs around it, worshipped the fire, and offered sacred twigs into it. His first Agnihotra was done. He now heard that the powerful Mahabali was engaged in performance of the Ashwamedha sacrifice under the direction of the Rishis of the Bhrigu family headed by Shukra. 
And so these characters are all important. So Shukra is, again, he's a, he is a guru of the demons, right? So that's important because you'll see the advice that Vamana gives and then the advice that Shukra gives. So the same uh, action, you've seen from two very different perspectives. So I just remember, uh, and, and, and Brigu is a, is a very important, he's, he's uh, not, to, he's, uh, has great knowledge, but his knowledge is selfishly oriented, right? So you'll hear his advice is good advice, it's good, good but not selfless, not spiritual advice, right? It's good material advice, but not good spiritual advice. The Vamana, who was endowed with all majesties, therefore started for the sacrificial campus of Mahabali. As he walked, the earth trembled, seemed to get tremors at every step he took. Brigu and the other priests, conducting the sacrifice on the northern bank of the Narmada, at the place called Brigukacha, saw the Lord coming up close to them like the rising sun at dawn. O king, before the brilliance of Vamana, Bhamana, the master of the sacrifice, and the assembled, rishi, assembled rishis paled into a mere shadow. They began to wonder whether the, august, this august, whether the august visitor was the sun deity, or the fire deity, or the sage, sage Sanat Kumar, come to witness the sacrifice. When the Brigus and their disciple, Bali, were thus thinking in their minds, the worshipable Lord Vamana entered the sacrificial hall holding in his hand an umbrella, a water vessel filled with water and a staff. Hari, in the assumed form of the Brahmacharin, had a girdle of munjagras, an upper garment of a black antelope skin worn in the fashion of a yagnapavita, sacred thread. He had jatta, matted locks, on his head. As he entered, the Brigus and their disciples and the fire deity, overwhelmed by the radiating glory of Vamana, stood up automatically to receive him. So they knew somebody great had come to their sacrifice. And the nature, of course, they're thinking that the problem, Bali is great, we've talked about, he's very great, right? And uh, uh, we compared him, Indra, who's the one who's, who we're trying to put back in heaven, right? Uh, uh, Indra is constantly begging from Vishnu. But in this story, Vishnu is going to beg from Bali. Right, so it shows Bali's greatness. He made some small mistake, right? A little ego came, right? <laughs> That's a problem, right? And, and, and not only he got, had enough punya by the performance of these sacrifices to, to uh, get heaven, he actually was thinking, if I do enough of these sacrifices, there's no need even for God. I can control everything. Not just heaven and the world, I can control everything. There's no need for Vishnu anymore. Vishnu's great. He knows he's, his grandfather is, is Pallad. He's a devotee of Vishnu, actually. Right? But uh, ego bewilders him. You know? So, uh, uh, but when they see, so, so when, if I'm doing, if I was to do a big, if we were to do, you know, a big festival here, and then some great personality comes, somebody, a great sadhu comes, that, that's shining, like we're thinking, oh, just see how great our sacrifice is, that it's attracting powerful people. Right? Immediately we, we take it, the ego absorbs it and takes it. Just see our, how pakka our puja is, that such gods and such devas are coming here. Not thinking actually that they're coming, why they're coming is <laughs> unknown to him yet. Right? So, Vamana, what does Vamana mean? Anybody know the word? It means small like dwarf, right? It has a couple meanings. It also means expert. 
right? There's a secondary meaning of expert. So he's very skilled. In other words, skilled, like Kusha or something like that, that same type of name. Uh, so he's, he's, remember Vishnu thinking, we cannot, we, we cannot defeat Bali, right? But I have to come up with some clever way to, uh, to, to uh, change fate, right? So he's very expert. So everything Vamana does and says is very expert. The master of sacrifice, Mahabali, offered him a seat, delighted to see that handsome and attractive visitor whose limbs and body were well-formed and proportionate. Then he welcomed him with all courtesy, honored him, washed his feet, and worshipped him, who sports in the hearts of those who are devoted, devoid of all attachments. Who sports in the hearts of those who are devoid of all attachments. Beautiful. Bali, who was well-versed in the rules of Dharma, poured on his, on his own head the water with which with which he had washed Vamana's feet. For so sacred is the water from his feet that even Maheshwara, Lord Shiva, carries it on his head with deep devotion. I mean, the water that comes from Vishnu's feet is Ganga. And Shiva, out of such devotion, captures, holds that water on his head, right? So uh, Bali, Akli says he's, he's, Bali's a demon, but he's not exactly a demon. He's a demon by birth, right? And, um, and a little bit by training. But he has some good qualities also, right? So he is one thing he knows Dharma, right? He always tries, to, and and we know from the previous verses and, and following verses, he has his his great qualities that he's extremely generous and very honest, right? It's interesting many that the demon here is like a demon who's very generous and very honest, right? There's many devas who aren't generous and honest, <laughs> many bhaktas that aren't, many sadhus and bhaktas that aren't generous and honest, right? So we have to at least we we should at least aspire at least to the position of Bali. <laughs> Interesting. Bali said, Welcome, welcome to you, O Holy One. My salutations. I look upon you, O honored guest, as a special embodiment of tapas, of austerity, from which the glory, sorry, which forms the glory of Brahmarishis. I see you as the embodiment of tejas, tapas, your arrival at my house today has brought satisfaction to my ancestors and purification to my dynasty. And this sacrifice that I have undertaken has become perfect in all its limbs. O Holy One, the sacrificial offerings that I make in the sacred fires will be true and perfect because I, the sacrificer, has been freed, have been freed from all my impurities by the water from your feet. This part of the earth too has become sanctified by the contact of your handsome limbs and the tread of your feet. O Brahmacharan, I presume that you have come here seeking something. So this is a, 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 a even in our ashram in Allahabad, although times are changing, you'll still you'll see there's an ashram down the street, two, three blocks away, Vaishna, uh, Sri Vaishnav uh, ashram. And every morning you'll see the young boys Young, young, little, little, little boys. This one cloth and no upper cloth. You know, going down, they go through the uh, marketplaces like that to the fruit vendors, and they're collecting. They collect some things. And they take it back to their as, uh, and they're begging their food for the guru, and the guru from that cooks like that. So every morning they do. They go to the local houses and like they go begging. So a young brahmachari dressed like this with a begging bowl and a stick and like that. If he comes to some sacrifice, you think, oh, you've come to ask for something, right? It's a common thing. And if they come at our ashram, you know, they send them down, give some, give a bag of rice, something. We give traditions to give something, right? So this is what the scene that's happening. Uh, um, 
I presume that you have come seek here seeking something. Whatever you want, ask that of me, and, I sh- and it shall be yours. I shall grant you anything you ask for, whether it be cows, gold, house, hearty meal and drink, a damsel to, re- to wed, prosperous villages, horses, chariots, or anything else you fancy. Shukra said, Sri Shukra said, Hearing this cordial and righteous speech of Mahabali, the son of Virochana, the Lord was very much pleased, and he replied, Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, the Lord said, those, cor- those cordial and righteous words truly befit the tradition of one like you who has, as advisor in matters spiritual, a teacher like Shukra of Brigu's line, and an ancestor like Pralada, noted for his devotion and poise of mind. In this line of yours, there has never been a man undignified enough to refuse the request of a holy man, a miserly, or, or miserly enough to fail to honor the promise of a gift. These are two, so he's like, uh, I'll offer you anything you want. Oh, very good. And in your family, never in a hundred generations has somebody not given a gift and, 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 and turned back on the gift after promising it. These are all important. He's setting up the scene, right? Your royal family has never in it in it, a member who showed reluctance to give a supplicant what he wanted, or one who tucked tail in field and battle, or one who ran from battle. Just like the moon in the sky, Pralada shines in your house in this matchless and stainless in his matchless and stainless glory. Hiranyaksha, who was born in this family, could not get an opponent worthy of his steel when he traversed the whole world, mace in hand, challenging everyone. Even Mahavishnu, who had to face Hiranyakashipu when he undertook to lift up the earth, overcame him only with such great difficulty that he hardly considered himself the victor. So he's kind of buttering him up, I think, right? Even Not knowing that he was Mahavishnu who was able to kill Hiranyaksha when he, as Varaha avatar, right? Um, hearing of Hiranyak- Hiranyaksha's destruction, his brother Hiranyakashipu, was roused to great anger and went up to Vaikuntha, Vishnu's abode, to avenge his brother's death by destroying his killer. Seeing him advancing like Yama, the god of death, with a three-pronged trident in hand, Mahavishnu, the arch-strategist and dissembler, and, and dissembler, thought thus, wherever I go, he comes pursuing me, as a god of death follows creatures. So in order to avoid him, I shall enter into the hearts into his heart. For being a thorough extrovert, he is not likely to look within. This is an interesting line, actually. This line's not in the Nishingadev story, right? It's uh, uh, in, the, in earlier in the chapters, we read the story of Hiranyakashipu and Nishingadev. But he's saying something very beautiful that actually when, when, when uh, Hiranyakashipu went to heaven to, to fight Vishnu, Vishnu, he said, why oh, I, I can't, he's also taking false humble position uh, I, I shall go I shall, where can I hide I'll hide where he'll never look demons never look inside their hearts so I'll go into his heart right like we know that uh, uh, Narashinga or uh, Vishnu is uh, he's there's a mantra that says he's inside and outside right so we can look we can find it so we, we don't look inside but and we see outside we don't see him outside so the great thing is when, when he was challenged by his son where is this Vishnu He's everywhere. He's inside and outside as well. Uh, he says, I don't see him. You, know, you see him. You don't know what you're seeing. You're actually only seeing Vishnu, but you don't know. Right? Where is he in this, is he in this wall? In this pillar? Yes, he's everywhere. 
and in order to uh, uh, prove that he was wrong, he goes and and punches the pillar, right? Thinking, oh, where where is Vishnu? But then there's something happens. We know the story. Then then Narshinga comes out of this pillar in a very fierce form that by the end just rips him apart. But think of that when you're thinking in full material consciousness that this is matter. It is not God. It's just matter. Right, I'm the only God. Hiranyakashipu dared declare, I'm the only God. There's no God but me. Right, uh, unique. He was a presentation of the Mahavakya. <laughs> I am God. <laughs> the wrong eye was being speak spoken. Uh, but then it was, as soon as he realized that even in a particle of, of matter, even in a pillar, when you realize it's actually God, what happens? That ego gets ripped apart and can't survive it. Right. It's a very great shock, right? Actually, in our our Nishingadev deity lives in a pillar, <laughs> so that's very a perfect place for him <laughs> to remind to remind us that even in a pillar. But also, one of my de- one of my friends, he's a great devotee of Narashinga, his Ishta Devata, and uh, unique meditation on Nishinga. He told me, actually, you take once you take a you take an atom and split it, you blow up the city, right? We don't even know what an atom is. What to speak of? I mean, behind that's just that's just energy. But to speak of God, I mean, you blow, the ego gets totally blown up when you realize what's even in one atom, right? You, uh, uh, that realization of divinity. So anyways, he's hiding inside and outside. O oh, chief of the suttas, deciding like this, with trepidation in his heart, Mahavishnu made his form subtle enough to be suckled, sucked in by the asuda's breath and entered into him through his nose. These are all little scenes from the earlier on. When he failed to find Vishnu in spite of the vigorous search of the whole of the of the empty Vaikuntha, he yelled in fierce anger and and raged all over the universe, the earth, the heaven, the skies, the quarters, and the oceans, the fourteen worlds, high and low, in search of Vishnu, but could not find him anywhere. Not seeing him anywhere, he said to himself, "I have searched the whole world, but my brother's killer is not to be seen. He must have gone the the way of no return. Death is the limit of any." Death is the limit of animosity between embodied beings, for anger thrives on the ignorance-born eye sense, which we maintain with regard to the body. And when the body of a person is destroyed, there is no longer any relevancy of anger towards that person. And your father, the son of Prahlad, being endowed with great reverence for holy men, gave up his life to the devas, who went to him begging in the guise of a holy man, though he knew they were devas and not holy men. These are earlier stories. But he's saying that this is, he's just mentioning his glorious ascend- descendants, or not descendants, ancestors. ancestors. Right? Uh, what's the word? Uh, ancestors. For- ancestors or forefathers, right? You have great, such great beings like Hiranyaksha, right? And Hiranyakashipu. <laughs> interesting, interesting choice. But anyways, you, they had greatness also. And actually we know Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu is Jai Vijay from Vaikuntha. So they actually are very great. We shouldn't dismiss, dismiss them. They had a, a, a ghastly sto- part to play in the story, but very important. It's, uh, great souls, uh, keepers, gatekeepers of heaven. Uh, and then Viduda and Prahlad, he's mentioning all his great ancestors. Who, and, and then he mentions even Viduda, he, he, when he made a promise, he, he kept it even knowing that it could be his death. Kind of setting them up like, are you, are you, are you still going to keep your promise when I ask or what I ask, you, what you've offered? You too are following the dharma shown by householder rishis like Shukra and by your own heroic ancestors. Therefore, O king of Asudas, O king of Asudas, from you, the most noted among generous persons, I seek a small strip of land. 
just what is measured by three paces of mind. So I just want three, not three, three uh, uh, paces of, three steps of land. But not just, I'm, we have to think he appeared as a little tiny dwarf. A child, a dwarf child. So he's still a child, and so he's a very small little boy. She imagine his very small little cute feet. And measured by my own feet, I shall just take that much land. A small amount of land I need. O king, I do not seek anything more than this from you, who are noted for your generosity, and who are the master of all the worlds. For one should receive as gifts only what is absolutely necessary. He, require, he acquires no thin thereby. So this is, there's, uh, uh, these stories, there's many uh, uh, levels of these stories. There's a great metaphoric level and, and mythological, uh, symbolic stories, or uh, principle of morality but sometimes in within these conversations there's st straight teachings so that's one great and that's this section is all about the, the equivalent a uh, uh, description of this one verse that is one should receive as gifts only what is absolutely necessary right he acquires no th sin thereby right this is a big statement right uh, what we get what do we need actually he says i i only need three steps of land Right. Of course, he's God, and his steps is the entire. One step is the entire everything, right? So he needs everything. But what do we need? We actually what three steps of land? If you think three paces, I'm an average person. I've kind of measured today. I kind of measured about six, seven feet, roughly, is the three steps of land for me, which is how long, how much land it takes to lay down, actually. So actually, if you think what what you need to keep the life going, you need a, a little bit of food, a few a few amount, of, a little bit of food, and a few six, seven feet of land to sleep. Right, and we have so much. We we take we use more than we need, but actually we need is actually very little, right? And how much we have to work to generate uh, uh, more than we need. And it's one thing we're working; it's our own work. We get the benefit. We we work. We get the karma. We can pay, we can buy, and rent and buy and everything more than we need, right? That but it's our own work. But how much of our life is spent? How much money is spent? How much endeavor is spent? Right. In one sense, wasted because it's more than we need. Right. But even more so when it's a gift, to accept uh, more than what's necessary. is uh, 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 there's um, If you take more than you need, therefore you're wasting or hoarding, right, then that's actually considered uh, uh, papa, sin. He even says like that. Therefore, king of Asuras, from you most... Uh, oh, sorry. So Bali then uh, talks to him. You should, oh you, stripling of a Brahmin boy, your words are no doubt noble enough to get the approval of the wise men, so meaningful and dignified they are, but you still show signs of immaturity and childness in your outlook. <laughs> right? Because he's thinking, ego is coming, he's thinking, yes, foolish boy, I'm king of, I mean, I'm, I'm doing, this is my thousandth Rajasurya sacrifice, right? Uh, uh, or sacrifice. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on Indra throne, I'm master of the three worlds, Right, but this, by this final sacrifice, I'll be even like Vishnu. This is by the end of this sacrifice. This is his 99th sacrifice or 999th sacrifice. It depends on different texts number, right? So it's like you don't realize I can give you anything, right? You're 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 a very holy boy, and you're saying nice words, but you're not being practical. You're still childish, right? Because he hasn't learned. See, Bali was all his good qualities, right? He went to demon school. 
right? Demon school teaches you actually, uh, how to be self, how to how to look for your own self interest. And when somebody's when a great person's offering you a lot, and you don't and you don't and you don't ask for a lot, that's foolishness. You're not looking out for your self interest, right? So Bali is, is like you're you're still immature. You haven't learned properly, right? Prahlad also didn't learn these things properly. It says, and when he went to school. Uh, there's a verse that says that what anybody remember what they taught him in school? This is from a long time ago when we read. It says uh, uh, politics and diplomacy, <laughs> which is how you different techniques in order to get to further your agenda. That's politics and diplomacy, right? There's different ways. It's trying to get more, trying to get your interests met, right? Uh, and 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 your relation, even your friendly relations with others, is so that you're that. Uh, that somehow or another within that relationship, your needs get met. Or your not even needs, because needs is this much food and six feet of land. Right? <laughs> it's a good to remember. This is Vamana's little boy, three steps of land, all he has. It's all about three steps of land. Uh, so Bali says, uh, you are childlike in your childishness in your outlook, for you do not seem to know your own interest. And this is the <laughs> After having extolled and pleased me by words, I, I who am the master of the whole world, and have got the resource to make a gift of a whole continent, you ask me a mere pittance of three feet of earth. Such a person, such a person must indeed be stupid. I don't know which word he uses, but he just called God stupid. <laughs> it turns out from this story is that uh, the the. Uh, the standard, the materialistic standard of intelligence is different than the divine standard of intelligence. What's stupid and what's, what's intelligent, what's foolish and what's intelligent. It is my principle that one who comes to me for a favor should have no occasion to depend upon another in the future. Therefore, O oh boy, ask of me land sufficient to maintain you for life. This is where I started translating. Yes, a couple of days back, last week. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. The Blessed Lord said, this is a beautiful verse, Yavanto vishvaya prishtas trilokyam achitendriya na shaknuvanti te sarve pratipuriya Sorry, my eyes aren't today. Pratipuryayitum nipraha. Yavanto vishvaya prishtas. Even All in Trilokya, Trilokya, even every desirable thing, every object, every pleasurable thing in this whole world, right? Not in the, in the three worlds. Every good thing, every desirable thing in the three worlds, right? Cannot satisfy one. Ajita. Aj, ajita means not, jit, mean, jit means to control. Ajita is uncontrolled. Indriyam, whose senses are not controlled. One whose senses are not controlled, the three worlds cannot satisfy him. Right. So he's in, by the look of this little boy, he's well, he's a brahmachari. He's in full control. He's control of it. That's the nature of a brahmachari. Means the conduct by which one attains brahman. Means he's a self-controlled person. Right. Doesn't mean that he. I mean, he's doesn't mean that he's celibate, becoming a monk. That's not. That's not what brahmachari. Brahmachari means the action, but leads to brahman. Means self-discipline. That's the only thing that leads to, to Brahman, right? Knowledge of Brahman. So he, he says that, that to, to one whose senses are not controlled, the three worlds cannot satisfy. 
But he's not such a person. His teachings are that all, all I need, the bare minimum I need, that I'm asking. Right? Tribi kramai ashantusto vipanapi napuryate nava varsha samametena saptadvipa parachaya. One who is not satisfied with three steps of land if, uh, will not be satisfied with. With, actually, these are vipanya uh, navavarsha. This is with, this is the the Vedic way of describing with the whole world. Actually, right? with dvipa, with with the island, which is uh, um, uh, let me find here. Sorry, containing nine regions, navadvipam, will not be satisfied with the whole world with nine continents. That's a way of saying. It's a Vedic way of saying that, right? One, if you're not satisfied, if you're not satisfied with what you need. The whole what more than we need won't satisfy you, right? It's he's not saying you can't have more than you need, right? I mean, we all have more than we need, right? <laughs> we need very little, and we all have more than we need, right? That's not the point, right? But if you're not satisfied with what you, what you need, more than you need won't satisfy you either. So, if 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 three feet of land won't satisfy you, six feet of land won't satisfy you, six uh, six. Uh, a mansion won't satisfy you. Ten, ten mansions won't satisfy you. If one car won't satisfy you, ten cars won't satisfy you. Right? There's a line in Kahil Gibran, the prophet, but Kahil Gibran, it says, is not the, did I get it right? Is not fear of thirst when your well is full, the thirst, the, the thirst that is unquenchable. Right? When you have everything, you're so not satisfied, that means no amount of anything will satisfy you. That's the point. Right? So if, if one is not satisfied with three steps of land, will not be satisfied with an island containing the nine regions and desires to attain the seven islands. These are seven different lokas in the Vedic way, right? So one world will not satisfy you. So you want all the world, which is what actually would happen to Bali. Right? He's king. He's already he's a righteous king. He's a righteous king of the underworld, right? But he's not satisfied with that. He wants, well, I want the, I want the heavenly worlds and the earthly worlds. I want to control everything. And he's, and then not only that, he's still doing, he's he's doing sacrifice after sacrifice to get more and more and more power and more wealth, more control, more. He has so much, but he wants, but he wants so much more. This is his problem. Saptadvipena. We have heard that even kings such as Prithu, Gaya, and others, although masters of the seven islands, these are these are kings of of universes. Of worlds and lokas, as you mentioned earlier in the Bhagavatam, were not satisfied with the wealth and pleasure they had achieved. Even great kings, Prithu actually is almost like a partial avatar of Vishnu. He's the one. Actually, we get the word, the name for the earth after his name. It's named after him. He's the one that subdued the earth and brought human civilization on it. Uh, how to relationship with nature? How to we can work by work we can control quote-unquote, control the earth and make her do what we want. This is the beginning of farming and of agriculture and of uh, animal husbandry and the whole type of thing started with Prithu, right? Uh, but even he who controlled all the worlds and Gaia who controlled all the worlds, he was not satisfied, right? Hmm. Ya Drichaya Icha means, uh, so, Ya Drichaya Chayaya means uh, 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 that which comes naturally, easily, automatically. So, uh, so what comes easily, naturally, automatically is the result of our own karmas, 
right? What we what we have to struggle to get that is we're gener- we're working towards new karmas to get to that thing, right? But if it comes automatically and you didn't do anything to get it, that means it comes from your own karmas, your past karmas, right? So it says one who is satisfied with whatever comes is happy, right? What's whatever what once one accepts whatever like we get to this body we have, it right we right now we're not doing much to generate this body. We may have to control a little bit to keep the weight and things like that and healthy as best we can. But we get this body. You, this body, one, one Saudi told me, this is our karmas. This is our past life karmas, fructifying. You look, you look in the mirror, this is, you look in the mirror, this is your past life karma. You got this body by your own past karmas. Right? To want a different body, it's, that, I mean, this is what you got. Right? <laughs> this is what we earned. <laughs> in a certain sense. Yeah. It's, it's it's a sad case. <laughs> I look in the mirror of my past karmas, right? But this is it. This is your this is your past this is your past karma. If you look at your house, you look at your you look at your life, you look at your relationship. This is your past. Your karmas have created this, right? So this is uh, it comes automatically. If you want something different than what you have, you have to generate new karma. You have to you have to work very much. You have to work very hard to get it, right? And this is not a teaching that we shouldn't work hard to get what we want, but the statement is that that we'll never, if, if we're not satisfied with what we have, we'll never be satisfied, no matter how much we want and how much we get. Like we'll never be satisfied, right? So it's not sometimes verses like this that say, "Oh, just be satisfied with what you have," right? It doesn't mean that you shouldn't work for anything else, right? But if you're not satisfied with what you have, working for anything else won't make you satisfied. It's a life. If you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy anything, doing anything else. Srila Prabhupada he made a comment. That uh, some people, they, because they don't have time, because they're struggling, with trying to start their business or something, and they don't uh, their shop or something, they, they don't have time for breakfast, right? And then when they become millionaires, they also don't have time for breakfast, right? <laughs> right? You know, it's like so. There's no. I mean, it's it's unending, right? So uh, if you're not satisfied with what you need, you won't be satisfied with anything. That's the main point. Let's repeat it again, and again. One who is satisfied with whatever comes. Um, um, Santushto varatate sukham. That person is one who's satisfied is happy. Sukha. But not one who is not here. Before it was ajita indriya. Here is ajitatma. One who is not uh, self-controlled. Ajita atma. One who is not self-controlled will not be satisfied, even if he attains the three worlds. So uh, we have heard that a king such as Prithu, Gai, and others, although masters of the seven islands, were not satisfied with the wealth and pleasure they had achieved. One who is satisfied with whatever comes is happy, but not one who is not self-controlled, even if he attains the three worlds. Pumsha, Pumsha Ayam Sam Sam Stritaha. A person is in material, something means in material existence. What is it that makes us? We we look around. We're we're all. This is our condition. We're in material bondage, right? We're rotating in the world of birth and death, in the world of cause and effect, right? And in physical embodiment and conscious separation from the divine, in competition with each other. Right and disconnection and, and, and disrespect and this is our material condition. What causes it? He says, "Hey, to who the cause is of san, ansot, asantosha, 
artakamaya, one who is the insatiable, if one is not satisfied or has an insatiable desire for artha kama, uh, means artha means wealth, and kama means pleasure, right? If it it it's uh, an, an unending desire for money, for wealth, and for pleasure that leads to material bondage. Simple definition, right? And contentment with whatever comes, muktaya smritaha, we consider is one who is content with whatever whatever they have, that leads to liberation. So bondage comes from not by wanting not being satisfied with what you wanting more, right? And can and liberation comes from being satisfied with what you have. Right. Once again it doesn't say don't work for more. Wanting more, because also the desire, working for more sometimes is also your karma, right? Arjuna tries to give up. Oh, I shall just go into the forest, and oh, your very nature, your your chatriya, your nature will force you to fight, right? So it's not that we shouldn't do anything. Your our nature, it's also our karma, our desire to, I mean, our nature to manifest and to, you know, and to build and to do. That's our. That's also karma, right? But it shouldn't come from a place of of not being uh, of lack, if it because we don't lack actually. That's the thing. A, the radiance of a sage increases uh, when he is satisfied with whatever comes and is diminished by dissatisfaction, like pouring water on fire. That's interesting. So you look at rishis and sadhus and sages like that. If you see a sadhu who's, who, who's not satisfied with simple life, then what is it? Then you begin to be, the respect naturally goes down. Right, so just like pouring water on a fire, the 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 the, the reputation the, the the goes down, right? This is why uh, sadhus should keep a perhaps uh, higher standard than even they're comfortable with of, of of simplicity, because their tejas goes down and people lose respect. And you see, I remember there's a great disciple of Swami Shivananda, and uh, 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 very few direct disciples of Swami Shivananda left. Only two or three. Even now, maybe not even one. Maybe he, that Swamiji also passed away. And I was at a, wed- at a wedding at Shivananda Ashram, and from a very uh, long-time devotee to Swami Shivananda in Rishikesh. So Yuli Sanyasis don't attend weddings. But this devotee family was so dear to the ashram that all the senior-most disciples of Shivananda attended to give gifts and blessings. So Swami Chirananda was there, such a great ascetic, who shone, shone with Brahmic glory like this. His his simplicity was frightening, how austere and simple he was, and self-content he was. But he has a guru bai, I will mention. But another great, you know, a legitimately great sadhu, right? But he's a little more, um, uh, you know, he had a very nice gold watch, so many like like this, right? But I just remember, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, but the reason it stuck in my mind, one one outside brahmachari who is also attending, he reaches over to me. Oh, Swamiji has a very nice gold watch. Right, and first thing we notice is that that Swami is a very great saint, great scholar, great ascetic, a great yogi, right? One of the last living disciples of Shivananda at that time, right? But the first thing people see, oh, look, he has a very nice watch. He was being obviously being sarcastic, right? Oh, Swamiji has a very nice watch. That's the one he notices, right? So that's like this verse also. It's like pouring water on fire. Your respect for sadhus goes down if you see them too much comfort, too much, or not being satisfied with simple life. Right? That naturally happens.
Therefore, I will accept only three steps of land from you, who are known as a generous person. Uh, I will become satisfied only in a, by obtaining what is needed. That's what I said. I will get sent. I will, uh, what word does he use? At least siddham. I will become that the, perf- the perfect thing. I will be attain what I need. I will attain what I need only if you give me what I need. So I will. I'll <laughs> I get what I need if you give me only what I need. Right. In other words, saying I'm sad if I, give me only the bare minimum. So this actually, this is a uh, seven verses, right? But in these seven verses, much instruction is given, right? Uh, how to, uh, how to be, how t- what causes our bondage and what causes our liberation. In the Gita, two motivations are given for all action in material consciousness. This is bog ishwarya. Enjoyment and ashoria means uh, glory. It means like uh, uh, power, success, right? Prestige, influence, right? Like that. So bog enjoyment and oh, another way of saying like wealth, wealth and power. So so bog ashoria. Everything we do is to get almost everything we do, right? In material consciousness is to get is for our enjoyment and for our influence. Become powerful, successful, rich, influential, beautiful, popular. All those things. That's why we do everything. Right, so Krishna tells Arjuna, actually, the, such actions lead only to bondage. Right, bogashwari leads only to bondage. So act without bogash, without the motivation of bogashwarya. Well, what else? How can you act? What can motivate us to act? That's not bogashwari. To get more power, to get more enjoyment, to get more more than what to get more than what we need, to get more than what we deserve. Right, what could motivate that act? What else could what else could motivate action? So Krishna tells them a few different things. One is duty, right? You do your duty, whether you, whether whether you get whatever you get from that, just do your duty. That's one way. That's one classical way where you can uh, do expert, powerful, heroic work, and even get tremendous results without motive, without a materialistic motivation. And then he says that's one is by doing your duty. The whole chapter is dedicated to that. And then he says also. Give do, but give the result, right? Karma, karma, pal. Give the result of your work. Your nature is to work, work, right? But give the work, give the result away. Keep what you need. Give the rest. That's also you don't get. You can use your karmas to work, but yeah, without getting too entangled. Then the highest thing is just do everything for me, right? Everything you do, just do for me. That's the highest thing, right? It's not out of duty, not out of dharma, not out of charity. Just do everything out of devotion. That also won't bind you. But other than these three, what other what other actions, what other motivation is there for action? Bhogashwarya, only selfish behavior. And selfish action has a, a reaction called karma. And karma, what does karma leads to rebirth? Even good karma leads to rebirth. Right? So if you do really good things in this world, you'll be the result is another body. If you do really bad things in this world, the result is another body. Right? <laughs> The bogashwarya leads to to incarnation because of karma, because those karmas have to fructify, right? So these these verses saying if you're satisfied with what you have, do your work either out of duty, right? Uh, you're out of duty, out of uh, uh, or out of sacrifice and charity, or out of devotion, right? Of these three, otherwise you'll be bound, right? Uh, this is the the purport of these uh, uh, seven verses. Shukra, Shukra, Shukla said, Hearing this, 
He, Bali, smiled and decided to grant the land to Vamana. Taking up his water pot, he said, From now, now take from me what you have asked for. So he took water and he made sankalpa. Take what you asked for. Right? And that's where, where that's where our translations ended up. Let me see where we are here. Uh, uh, okay. But now, but now the sage Shukra, the most learned among the men, coming to guess the plan of Vishnu, said as follows to his disciple Mahabali. Shukra is the guru of the, of the demons, right? Who was just about to make the gift of land to the Lord. Shukracharya said, O son of Irochana, this is none but the eternal being, the worshipable Maha Vishnu. He has incarnated as the offspring of Aditi and Kashapa for achieving the purpose of the Devas. I do not consider it correct for you to have promised to give him three feet of land without any awareness of the adverse consequences of it. Remember, this is what you learn in demon school. Right? You shouldn't do anything without knowing what the, the full effect. Even so, this is the, He says, this is the worshipable being. It's very wrong that you've promised him anything without thinking it through carefully. <laughs> He's God. But. It's like you shouldn't make any promise to God without thinking what it, what, what, what would happen. This is the thinking of a demon. The Asudas are on the verge of a great catastrophe as a result. Hari, who has come in the disguise of this Brahmacharin, is going to deprive you of and present to Indra all that you have, your position, sovereignty, wealth, splendor, fame, and the merits of Vedic study. This this Brahmacharin can assume a cosmic form. He can, he can measure the whole universe with three strides of his, of his. O fool, having thus given away all your possessions to Vishnu, how will you manage to get on? With one stride he will cover the earth, and with a second the heavens, while his body will fill the interspace. Where will be space for his third step? It will thus be impossible for you to give what you have promised. And you will get the due for breaking his promise, namely prolonged consignment in hell. Charity that will jeopardize one's livelihood is not praiseworthy. This is another great, this is a te- the opposite teaching, right? Charity that, 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 that isn't good, that, 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 that uh, uh, interferes with your livelihood, that is, that's not praiseworthy. Okay. For all disciplines like gifts, yagya, austerity and other duties are prescribed for one who has the means to live in this world. Right? Uh, when I was a young boy, my neighbor, I had, I had, I had a, the weird boy next door. He was the vegetarian in my school. I remember <laughs> the weird one. <laughs> right? His parents were even weirder than he was. Right? I remember. And uh, uh, I was talking to his parents. His parents were like mystics in their own way, you know. And, and, and one of the, the, the father told me, that, oh yeah, I went to this one, this one group, right? And they told me, you chant this mantra and you'll get money, right? And he says, but I want self-realization. And he goes, self-realization? This is the, the minister told him, he says, that's okay when you have money in your pocket. <laughs> and so he left. I remember it stuck, I didn't know anything about mantras, but that story stuck in my mind. I was, I was 10, I think, right? Something like that, 10 or 12 or something. But it's the same line. It's, it's okay. I mean, all these disciplines and gifts, it's okay once you're financially secure. Right? If you're secure, then you can give. You know? He is a happy man in this world and the next who allots his wealth for the following five purposes. Namely, 
So this is this is the instruction. This is how you should do why you should do how you should use your money. For the discharge of one's religious and altruistic duties, that's okay. For spreading one's name and fame, that's also good, I guess. For augmenting one's income, for pleasure, and for helping one's friends and relatives. These are the five <laughs> the five reasons. But you can see this is not far this is basically this is what most people's actually we do some charity, we use some money for that, right? And we help our family. This is natural. We should not that we shouldn't do. We 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 uh, name basically name flame pleasure income like this. Uh, uh. O king of asuras, hear from me what many Vedic passages have to say on the question of truth and untruth. So first he's saying that what charity should be. We shouldn't give stupidly like this if it hurts you. Now he's now he's going to dismember this adherence to truth. Right, because Bali, his good quality, his greatest quality, he's truthful. He keeps his word, right? Uh, but the, his demon guru is giving him different advice. What one accepts solemnly, saying yes, is truth. What is rejected, saying no, is untruth. So this is basically this is completely subjective. Whatever whatever you say is truth is truth. Right? Whatever you say is truth, whatever you don't say is truth. This is a simple definition. Right? Truth is a flower and fruit of the plant of an embodied being. When the plant is alive, only it can bear fruit and flowers on it, not when it is dead. The root of the body is untruth, i.e. its origin is sustenance through human passion. So will this body perish when it so will this body perish when it is completely disconnected from untruth. This is getting a little philosophical, but it's okay. Uh, the syllable om indicating I give means that one's wealth flows out of oneself and that to that extent one gets deprived. One gets deprived. So, so interesting. So this is a technical thing. When you say om means, like in a month, the om is, is, is being, I'm giving. So if I say om swaha, om namo shivaya, I'm giving to like this, where is it coming from? From me. Right? So every time you give, you become diminished. This is his instruction. He's interpreting even mantras, Vedic mantras, in a materialistic way. When you say Om and you give, it's from you it's being given. Right? Now if one says Om and gives away only a little of one's possessions, he will become poor by that little much. Right? What, with the remaining, he can somehow support himself. But if he says Om in a, to a supplicant in regard to all his possessions, that is, gives a blank check, I guess it's probably not, blank check is probably not a Vedic word, but, <laughs> but the idea is there, to a person in need, then he will have nothing left to fill his own needs. Life will become impossible for him. So to stick to untruth, that is, to refuse to give away anything, is a way to preserve one's existing wealth and to draw that of others to oneself. So the truth is to be to stick to untruth, keep your wealth and get other people's wealth. This is the instruction. But one should not stick to this way always, because it will bring dis, disrepute as being a miser. So don't do this all the time. You'll become bad. Your reputation will go. Remember, one of the purpose of wealth is for your reputation, right? So if you do it to too much, then you'll get bad publicity, and people will think you're cheap and a miser and selfish. So you have to know just how much, how to do this. Very good advice. Uh, you be considered a miser or a greedy man, and a man who is subject to ill fame is as good as dead, even while he is breathing. Is also right. Gifts have therefore to be given, but very discriminately. Besides, it is said that to, to tell an untruth under the following circumstances is not sinful. These circumstances are: 
So this is when it's okay to lie. Don't think everybody ready? <laughs> I like these very much. Right. This is first to please and attract a woman. <laughs> so many very uh, see, see it's yes it's very uh, this is all dharmic. You see this is a very good instruction. In joke, in jest, you can lie for the purpose of finalizing a marriage. <laughs> Right? You, can, you can smudge the details and right to save oneself from death and to save a holy man or helpless creature those seem to me and to save another from death or great danger these are when it's okay to lie right interesting Sri Ramakrishna is this like even you can lie if you're just joking and sometimes we lie I mean we tell jokes and it's not actually true Swami Brahmananda Rakal came to Sri Ramakrishna and Sri Ramakrishna said I can't see your face clearly it seems dark did you do anything bad? He goes, no, Thakur, I didn't do anything bad. No, think. Something other. I can't see, I still can't see your face. There must be some reason. Did you tell me lie? That would cause me not to see. He goes, no, no, I don't lie. You know, like, Are you sure? Think of clearly. He went through, he said, well, I was my friends. I was telling a joke. Right? And, and, and I said something not true. But it was, it was obviously not true. Right? And, and, and it was like, oh, that's why I can't see your face. Never stick to truth. Right, that was the hard one. We have not been able to catch. So within our little sub community of friends, when we read that, our joke was our joke when somebody we caught somebody's like going, I don't know, or either you're you're uh, either you're lying or joking, but still it's still stalker still can't see your face, you know, something like that, you know, <laughs> right? It's uh, yeah, but anyways, to please a woman, it's okay. That's the point, right? Shukla <laughs> said, "O king, hearing hearing the speech of Rishi." Shukra, his family teacher, Mahabali, the master of sacrifice, sat quiet for a moment and then said with determination, What you, worshipful sir, said about Dharma and of the householder and his action should not adversely affect his worldly interests, happiness, name, and livelihood is no doubt right. But how can I, a grandson of Prahlada, behave like a cheat and refuse to give this holy Brahmacharya in what I have promised? The earth deity has declared... Save a liar, I can put up with anyone else. Even the earth cannot tolerate the presence of a liar. So according to the earth deity, there is no adharma greater than lying. Nothing is more frightening to me than disappointing a holy man. Neither poverty, nor the loss of position, and power, nor death, not even hell. In this world, wealth and such other earthly acquisitions are all lost due to Due to one's at, all lost to one at death, then what harm is there in giving them up for the good cause, even when one is alive? It's a totally different thing. Everything will be lost at death. What's the harm of giving up one alive? For the benefit of the world at large, great purses like Dadichi and Sibi gave away their very lives then why should one feel any hesitation to give up such small things like the earth and other possessions? O oh, learned one, time I consume the earth and possessions and the, and the possessions that the assorters have been enjoying by virtue of their valor, which has made them strangers to anything like retreat and battle. But time shall not consume the reputation in which they are held everywhere. So eventually, the, 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 the beautiful line, the, the asuras eventually by time their karmas will change they're, they're, they'll, they'll lose their, their karmas that, what, that have them being kings of the king of heaven that will end and they'll be they'll, they'll eventually they'll lose that but the reputation 
time will never erase. So here we are. The, these God, these these we're reading a story of millions of years ago, previous yugas, where the devas sat on, on and controlled heaven. They lost that. But here, here, uh, uh, 2014, 2014, 2014, right in Laguna Beach in America, right, we're still remembering the bad qualities of the demons, right. So the time doesn't go, does not erase somebody's bad reputation. Yeah, we're well. There, there are, there are, there are examples in a certain sense, but it's still the sense that the Buddha said that the karma will, 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 your karmas will change, but your reputation is not easy to get rid of once you have this reputation. Oh, holy sage, there are quite many in the world to give up their bodies in the field of battle without retreating, but those who are ready to give their wealth to worthy persons or causes with genuine faith and unselfish dedication are few and far between in this world. For an enlightened man with a kind heart, the suffering involved in satisfying the needs of even an ordinary supplicant is an, an, an embellishment. That being so, how much more glorious it is to satisfy illumined personages like you by providing for your wants. So I shall give this brahmachari whatever he asks for. So even to give a little bit of suffering, to, to, to give uh, somebody who's asking, brings only good. How much more to give to a holy man like this who needs something? I shall give the brahmachari what he asks for, O sages. In, yuga, in yagas and yagnas, you who are experts in those rites make sacrificial offerings to Mahavishnu with great reverence and devotion. That being so, if, as you say, this brahmacharin is that Vishnu, irrespective of whether he has come as a benefactor to give us boon or an enemy to destroy us, I shall certainly give him whatever he asks for, not barring the whole earth even. Even if by adopting some improper and unrighteous means, he were to tie me up, me who am absolutely innocent, even then I shall not injure him, as he has come assuming the garb of holiness out of fear. If he is really Mahavishnu, and one of extensive fame and for holiness, and he wants to add to that fame by conquering me, then he will kill me in battle and take over the earth. If on the contrary he is an imposter, he will be killed by me in the field of battle. Thereupon, by the prompting of the Lord within, Rishi Shukra, the teacher of the Asuras, cursed this truthful and courageous disciple Bali, who rejected his advice without acting, attaching much seriousness to it. The curse ran thus. Now, now, now he's being cursed. This is the only way. In, when we first started this, these chapters, the only way uh, that he says that now the blessings of the sages. The reason Bali has the position of Indra because the sages have blessed him. But we have to all arrange something where the sages curse him, and then he'll lose to lose his position. So this is the curse. Now he, uh, he takes water and curses. You who consider yourself very learned, but are really ignorant and arrogant and have disobeyed my order, shall soon be deprived of all your wealth and glory. End quote. The high soul Bali, however, did not swerve from truth, even under the threat of his teacher's curse. He worshipped Vishnu according to rites and offered him the earth with, which, with libations of water. Bali's wife, Vindya Va. What is it? Vindyavati. Vindyavati. Uh, bedecked with necklaces and pearls, now came forward and placed there a golden jar full of consecrated water for the rite connected to the gift. 
Mahabali, the master of the sacrifice, took the water vessel, washed the feet of Vamana in great joy, and sprinkled on his own head that world-sanctifying water with which the Lord's feet had been washed. So it's interesting that the, the also if you think the mind of Shukra, Shukra, he's saying, don't give anything to this, 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 this little boy, because if you do, you'll lose heaven. But then he didn't, and so following a slightly different, a higher dharma, not uh, for the offense of not taking his advice to keep heaven, he curses him to lose heaven. Very interesting, the, the, the fickle mind of a, of a selfish mind, of selfish thinking, right? Uh, the very thing he was trying to protect him of, he caused. He is the cause of it, not Vamana. Right, he was the cause of of because uh, in this story we always oh we know how the story next week we'll read of him stepping and eventually he covers the one foot he covers the earth second foot he covers heaven the third for wearing and he puts it on Vamana's head and and humbles him we know that type of stuff but that couldn't have happened according to, that's not the reason how he lost he lost it because of because of the uh, the statement of Shukra but he gained heaven by the statement of Shukra right so interesting how the trick this is why Vamana is Vamana he's very expert at these things. So the five uses of money, according to this, is is uh, now we know why you can lie and when you when you can um, spend money. How you're supposed to spend money, but this is very different. This is a we know that now we've heard the advice of the uh, sudas, of shukra, of materialistic thinking that keeps us, according to Vamana, bound in the world of, uh, of karma, world of suffering, separation. In the Gita. In the third chapter of the Gita, Krishna gives a different a standard. He says, "How we, how, uh, how we, how we, how are we to use our money? How are we to use our resources?" Right. So, like sometimes, like we think, oh, we're giving. If we give charity, that seems to be like something extra. We give somebody in charity. What does that do? That creates punya, right? In the karmic world, you do charity to get punya. Right, but if I go to if I go to the store and grab a gallon of milk and put it in my cart, and then I pay the two fifty whatever milk cup whatever milk organic milk, I can pay the five fifty for the for the organic milk. Is that that's not that's not a charity, right? That's not pun that's not punya, right? It's my debt. I'm, if I'm taking the milk, it costs five fifty, right? So to not do that would be to not pay the five dollars is papa. It's sin, right? Punya is one thing, pop another thing, but to pay to pay it, what is that? That's simply I'm clearing a debt, right? And so Krishna mentions in the third chapter of the Gita that we're born with so much debt, right? If we, if I'm drinking milk, it came from somewhere. I have to pay it from somewhere. Where if I'm drinking it without paying for it, then I'm I'm indebted to somebody, right? So we get this body from somewhere, right? So what do we we have to we have to honor we have to pay the debt of this body, right? We get our food from somewhere. We have to pay the debt of this food. Uh, so many things go, you know. And so this in the Gita, there's a punch. Here it's five five uses of money is 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 uh, uh, to attract women, to spread your fame, to increase your to give her pleasure. In the Gita, the five uses of money is the primary use. The first uses is to pay your debt, and that's called pancha yagya. Uh, pancha The first is our debt to our ancestors. Right to our parents and our ancestors, they gave us this body, right? So how do you? What's the ancestors? First, of course, simple thing in Vedic culture is obeying or respecting or serving your parents, right? Because our parents taught us how to go to the bathroom. They taught us how to 
hold a fork, taught everything, you know. So we have so much debt to them. So, so as they served us, we served the best to the best of our ability. And the, in the Vedic conception of the afterlife also, we have debt to our deceased ancestors, right? To do shraddha properly, to, gen, to generate the next generation like this, right? And we serve the family and the family line this way. That's one use, by uh, serving our parents and serving the memory of our ancestors, right? But that's that's one, that's... Uh, um, that's a prita yagya. Then, um, then there's um, what's the other one? Oh, uh, uh, other people, right? Not a yagya, right? If there, if if all the people in in Orange County were to be gone and only we were to be here, in a f- in a few days we'd run out of food, right? In and in a, in about a week the water would be undrinkable because nobody's putting chlorine in and purifying it, right? Our garbage would would uh, wouldn't be picked up. Right, the electricity would would. I mean, our ability to live anywhere is so many other people are, are doing that, right? So the Narayagya is not only paying properly for services, but also then helping those who are in need. We have to serve humans, right? So, uh, compassion to serve humans as we're being served by so many. The interconnectedness of human culture is very important. Without people, we'd be in big trouble. Also, but yagya, the serving of uh, of uh, creatures. Right, if all the ants in the world were to die, we would probably also die. Right, if the bees were to die, we would probably also die. <laughs> right, we're, we are, we're interconnected with materially with all the species. If all the trees were to die, we would also probably die. Right, it's happening. The trees are dying, and we'll probably also die. <laughs> so it's like so. Part of it is serving nature, right? And so you see, even now, you'll see many like in traditional families, you see the. Uh, um, people will take a little bit of ball of rice from their plate and put it to the side and then go and feed it to the birds somewhere, right? That some portion of their food also gets served. We have one lady that every week brings bird seed here. That's her seva. First she asks, she wants it offered to Ma, and then we feed the birds outside. They, well, the birds get this prashad. Many people say, you'll see in India, I see the little ladies will take sugar and they feed ants, right? Or they give money to take care of cows, right? Uh, these type of things, uh, uh, serving nature, serving animals, serving... Like this is a proper use of our money because it's also without the animals we would also suffer. We need them, or we're benefiting from them. And then rishis, right? The rishis have given us even the knowledge of that we're indebted to different categories, right? Uh, and so we serve the rishis by primarily by studying their words and then by sharing their words by propagating the culture and books and things like that. I mean that's uh, people, animals, rishis. Parents and devas, and devas, right? The devas actually think the the devas have a have a problem. They can uh, they can't work. They can only uh, uh, according to the understanding. They can if we feed them, they can't feed themselves, right? But we and we can't feed ourselves, right? <laughs> right? They bring rain. This is a concept. They bring rain. They bring wind. They bring soil, right? They're the ones who make plants grow, right? Uh, but they can't feed themselves. So what we do, we take, we take from that, those plants that grow, we, we offer prasada and we pour into the fire. Right? We make offerings to the devas. We feed the devas and the devas then bring rain and, and bring food. Right? And, and so we, Krishna says that I've created uh, this cycle of, of serving the gods and the gods serving you. Right? Let this be your cow plenty. He uses this term. This is the wish-fulfilling cow. Right, that to fill, all your natural desires can be filled this way, 
right? Serve. The, so in other words, so you, money are. Uh, uh, this is this is actual sacrifice. This is actual puja. When we offer something, whatever we have left over, that's prashad, right? So here we do. We offer bananas, and then we take the bananas, right? <laughs> That's what's, luckily Ma doesn't marry Kai and she only takes the essence of the banana and leaves most of it, right? right? But, uh, but when we feed another human being, right, that's what's left from that. So after, if, if once you've paid, you've served your parents, you've served your ancestors, you've served the rishis, you've, you've done charity to people, you've, served, you've protected and, and, and served nature, and you've done yagya and puja and property for the devas, right? then what's left? It's not necessarily what comes back off the altar. After you've done that, what's left? That's prashad, right? That's then, then whatever you have, that you use. That's the Gita says, All right? There's a verse, two verses. I love these verses. Foster the this is in uh, chapter uh, verse eleven of chapter three of the Gita. Krishna speaking. Foster the gods through this sacrifice, and let the gods be gracious to you. Each fostering other disinterestedly, you will attain the highest good. Offering by fostering the, by sacrifice, the gods will surely bestow on you, unasked, all the desired enjoyments. He who enjoys gifts bestowed by them without giving them in return is undoubtedly a thief. One who takes from them without returning, that's if I take from mothers without paying, and then I'm a thief, right? But if I, but if I pay, so offer to the devas, offer, I mean, uh, uh, use it, and then... Uh, then Anyways, uh, you're a thief. The next verse is very interesting. The virtuous who the virtuous who partake of what is left over after sacrifice are absolved of all sins. This means, you know, we offer and then we take it. It's called prashadam. But more than that, after we've done the boots, like we've we've spent our proper wealth to to to, to do our duty to the world, to the to nature, to the devas, to our ancestors, to our family, whatever is left, there's no sin in that. That that is pure. Right. That's the thing that that money is pure. Do your do you after after uh, paying your proper debt, whatever is left is for you to to use. That's pure. That won't harm you. The sinful ones who cook for the sake of nourishing only their body alone, they eat only sin. It's a very strange, scary verse, right? And Srila Prabhupada, I don't have his translation in front of me, but there's a great line at the end of these two verses, right? He's a very long, elaborate purport. That's a, a really powerful purport. I'm one of my favorites in his Gita. But there's one line that says, and how can one be happy if one is both, the first verse said one is a sinner, and the other verse said one is a thief. Right? One, you eat, you're a thief, and this one says that you eat only sin. And he says, and how can one be happy if one is both a sinner and a thief? It is factually, it is not possible. Right? That's not the way to be happy. Right? right so this is giving... Uh, uh, some hints of how to live in this world, you know, by if we're satisfied, if we live a simple, if we're satisfied with what we have, if we, if we, if we, if we, if we try to live a simple life, we have, we will have ample time and we'll have ample money to do, to, 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 to do our duty, right, to offer in sacrifice, to offer in charity, or just out of devotion, you know, how much of our time, I mean, Everything we buy, and this, you know, this lap is thirty dollars. Thirty dollars is two, three hours work, right? If you were at, 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 a, at a low-paying job, right? This is three hours work. You know, it's like we need a lamp. We need a lamp. We, we work, but but if I want five lamps, that's how many hours work, right? Or expensive. You know, you can look and see how much 
how much is how much energy, how much work, how much sacrifice is done for things that actually won't make us happy, right? But if you're happy, so that you have, there's no it, the the texts don't say you shouldn't get more, right? But if you're if you're self-controlled and your senses controlled and you're self-possessed and you're satisfied with what comes by your own karma, then what's the problem? Then then you're satisfied and you're happy, right? And you'll be happy. You're happy now, and if you're happy, if you, if you have ten times more. But if you're not happy more now, you won't be happy if you have ten to a thousand times more. That's the main point of the roundabout way, but this is the main point of these verses. One of the main points of these. We can't say the main point of a verse like the Bhagavatam. But anyway, thank you for your kind attention. We'll continue next week. No. Next week is Amavasha. Next week is Amavasha, Saturday Amavasha. And the following week we'll continue, God willing. Swami Ambikananda is in India now. He comes back on next weekend, so he'll be for Amavasha. I'm very happy. And he's now, if schedule's right, he's in the Himalayas of Swami Omananda traveling uh, high in Himalayas, Jwalamukhi, you know, important uh, shrines high in Himalayas. Very jealous of this great opportunity. So we pray that he has a safe voyage and that he, I'm sure his nature is so selfless. That everywhere he go, he's praying for all the devotees of Kali Mandir. So that keeps me bold. <laughs> somebody, some worthy person is praying for our benefit. This is good. Jai Ma, Jai Ma, Jai Ma.